Hurts has just had his second chance points. Oh, DeRozan challenged Stuart Mason. He'll push to win this year when you put those scenarios intact. Nice speed. Everybody touching it. Got numbers. I run it. Speeds up past Lyles. And wow! Slot and Kelly guarding DeRozan. Mismatch. DeMar. Levine. Basketball is hood. It's time for the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast with Jonathan Hood. You love basketball, you've come to the right place. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Basketball is hood. I am Jay Hood. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at TweetJHood, at Instagram, IGJHood. And don't forget about this podcast, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's on the ESPN Chicago app. Not just on the Cap and J Hood feed. Hello, Cap and J Hood listeners, but also it has its own tab on the ESPN Chicago app. Scroll down. You'll see the logo under the hood with Jonathan Hood. Boom. You can get all the episodes right there on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get this podcast. I just appreciate you downloading the podcast because this is the spot that we talk basketball, college, pro, WNBA, high school basketball. You never know on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. Well, my friends, the Bulls were able to dominate the Detroit Pistons at the United Center. Really good night for DeMar DeRozan. He had 20 points and 12 rebounds. Also, Vucevic with 22 points for the Bulls, along with 8 rebounds and 4 assists. Lonzo Ball with 18 points. Zach Levine ended up with 10 and 29 minutes of play, along with 9 rebounds, 7 assists, a blowout for the Chicago Bulls over the Detroit Pistons. You're beating a team you're supposed to beat. Even more so than the starters, including Derrick Jones Jr. Um, it was great to see some shots put up by Io DeSumo and also Kobe White. They combined for 23 points and three assists and a couple of rebounds. Uh, Alfonso McKinney, a, a small forward on the team with 10 points. So I like what I saw there. And it's just about momentum, right? When it comes to this Bulls team, it's just about momentum. And this is going to be a very interesting week for the Bulls. Not the Piston game. You kind of turn the page there. Not the Dallas game. They did not play well against the Mavericks. But the Bulls playing the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday night. Wow. Wow. And then taking on the Golden State Warriors. Now, some would say the Nets are the favorites to win the East. And some would say the Warriors, especially with Klay Thompson returning, they can win the West. But the Bulls continue to play at a very high level. And I know that there's been some talk about, well, the Bulls are playing well now. What do they look like in March and April? I think that's fair. You just want them, if you're a Bulls fan, for them to stay healthy and for them to just continue their momentum. I don't know what the trade deadline looks like. I know people want to fast forward to that and say, what are the Bulls going to trade? And here's the thing. 
I think that there are a number of bulls that could be expendable, but that's not really what I'm looking at right now. What I'm looking at is for this team just to continue to mesh and stay healthy so that way they have their best opportunity to compete in the postseason. This team could stay as is with Caruso returning, and then you just go for it. Or the Bulls could make a move or two, or maybe one key move for size, and get better that way. I've seen a conjecture on Twitter like, oh, leave Kobe White alone. This guy's an automatic. Can I tell you something? If you're trying to win a championship or get close to it, there's a number of players on this Bulls team we would be like, you know what? If I traded him to be able to get a piece to make the Bulls better, that's what it's about. There's the same Bulls fans that are complaining about Thaddeus Young and complaining about some of the really, really good players that the Bulls had uh, a year ago. Or a couple of years ago, they were fan favorites. But the thing is, is that you have to do what you think is best as an organization. One thing for sure, based on the amount of moves that have been made by Karna Shelvis and Eversley, they'll do what it takes to try to make the team better. So, I mean, you might have all your favorites on this roster now and say, don't touch it. Everything's fine. Okay. But just understand that if you feel like you're close or if you feel like your first place uh, status in the Eastern Conference is sustainable, you always have to look outside of your team to find out what else you can do to get better. What would make your team better? It's not about chemistry as much as it is offense. It's about defense. It's about making sure that you have the right roster and enough tiers on your roster to take on the Nets and take on the Bucks and take on the Heat and take on some of the upper echelon teams in the East. And the Bulls are one of those teams. They are so much fun to watch. I'm not even worried about what happens when we get to the playoffs. I'm just looking at DeMar DeRozan, all-star DeRozan. I'm looking at the all-star numbers. Dude's got more votes than James Harden. I mean, that just shows you that not just in Chicago, but around the league, people are paying attention to what DeMar DeRozan is doing with this Bulls team. And I think that's so much fun. It's so much fun. DeMar DeRozan, to me, was a player that I saw with the Spurs and with the Raptors and said, man, that's a solid piece, man. He's kind of a heartbeat of the team. I thought that, I thought that with the Raptors, and I thought that with the Spurs as well, just a solid player. But I think even the NBA experts would have to look at DeMar DeRozan and say, wow. Wow. I mean, the guy is excellent. Because, and he's always been a solid player, but he's never played at this level at this particular time. It, can, will he be like this in March and April? That's the hope, right? Well, I just know that DeMar DeRozan is, has a very unique skill set in this league today. You, know, you can watch any NBA game and it's layups and threes and not a lot of in-between game. And players like Kevin Durant, players like DeMar DeRozan, players of, of that ilk, even Trey Young to an extent here lately, don't mind the in-between game, the mid-range. Whatever does, whatever you need to do to get buckets, that's really what it comes down to. Can you get buckets? And DeMar DeRozan's that guy. I really enjoy his game. I enjoy the game of uh, Vucevic as well. A guy can give you double-double every night. Lonzo Ball coming off of COVID, getting better. Zach Levine. This is the perfect example. Pistons aren't going anywhere anytime soon. And Zach Levine has 10 points. Now, I don't think he was salty about it. But the point is, like, they didn't need Zach Levine to go off for 25 points and the Bulls win by four. No, they, they had plenty of offense from others, especially coming off the bench, and they win against the Pistons. Billy Donovan, his thoughts about the Bulls. Bulls just steamroll over Detroit. My guy, Rick Mahorn, is pissed right now. I texted him. I can't tell you what he said. But I texted him. I said, 
Man, tough loss. <laughs> Rick Mahorn, who's on the Pistons broadcast team, he wasn't happy with my thoughts. Here's Billy Donovan. And I just, I just didn't think, um, you know, we, you know, maybe got off to a great start. I thought there was a lot of things just that we kind of had some breakdowns on um, and tried to make some substitutions. Um, I thought we got it corrected a little bit. Um, you know, in that second quarter, but I thought we didn't close the quarter very well. And then I thought the third quarter, you know, we came out and were much better on, on, on both sides of the ball. But uh, that's certainly not the start that we wanted to get off to. But I do give the guys a lot of cre credit in terms of that's going to happen. You know, they course corrected and, you know, we got better as the game went on. And, you know, we locked into the things that we needed to do. Uh, but we certainly didn't start the game that way. And, you know, you know again, you want to be able to get off to a better start than we did. Uh, but I thought our defense picked up when we were better, um, much better in the second quarter than we were in that beginning of the first. I know, like three minutes into the game, was that matchup the spark reason? Was because you wanted offense or just kind of the top process? No, I mean, I thought, um, you know, I, I, I just didn't, you know, I, I thought, you know, Derek, he is an unbelievable defender and rebounder and shot blocker. And I just felt like there was some opportunities for him to get that into the game. And, you know, he just didn't get into the game early. And, you know, I just felt like they were playing. I don't want to say they were playing necessarily small, but I, I felt like we could take Lonzo and put Lonzo on Sadiq Bay, and then we could put Io and put Io on Cunningham. And I just felt like we needed a jolt of energy. You know, and Io has always been a really good motor guy. And, you know, listen, Derek played really, really well in that third quarter. Um, but I think to start the game, there were some things he had an opportunity to get into the game that he didn't get into the game. And I just didn't like our energy level. And I felt like I needed to change it up the momentum a little bit. And I just kind of went with Isle because I think Isle always comes in with kind of a mentality to, to defend and be disruptive and be aggressive. And, you know, I thought, you know, when he got in there, he did some really good things really early in the game. You played, I think, 14 straight minutes in that first stint. Is that even a second thought with him that you could ride him for that long or is that kind of something that you feel yeah i mean I, that's you always get into those situations as a coach where you certainly never want to play a guy that many minutes that length of time but he was playing really well and our team uh, i think responded when he was out there with some of the plays that he made and you know i just decided to to to, to stay with him you know what i mean and you know, even when I took him off uh, after that 14-minute 14, 14 stint, it, it wasn't like he was exhausted. You know, he could have probably c continued to play. But, you know, again, I thought we needed to get a fresher person in there. But, you know, he did a great job. I thought in a lot of ways when I all came off the bench, um, you know, we got out in transition. We got some steals. We got some stops. We, you know, we kind of got right back into the game. And then it went back and forth for a little bit. We opened up a little bit of a gap in that second quarter. You know, but I didn't think that we closed the half very well. Uh but going back to what you said, I thought thought Io coming off the bench as early as he did did a nice job for us. I think this five of his first six shots and they kind of took over in that third quarter. What did you see from him in terms of a difference between the first and second half when he got rolling? Yeah, I mean, I got a you know a lot of confidence in Vooch. He's just a really really good basketball player. But like he's a guy that can kind of course correct in the game. He can see things. Um, you know, he has some pretty decent looks. I think he was probably disappointed on some of the shots that you know he missed missed some stuff around the basket. But, like, he just kind of figures things out, you know, and I think in that third quarter, you know, we got a couple threes, 
we recognized him on some switches. We got him some deep post catches. He got some offensive rebounds. You know, he had some great footwork plays around the basket. You know, to me, offensively in that third quarter, he got everything involved that, that he can do offensively. I think that third quarter, to me, for him, is you could kind of see like his whole package. You know, the passing, the posting up, the shooting the threes, the pick and pop mid range. You know, he did he, the offensive rebounding. He, he got a lot of things into the game there early in that third quarter. Billy Donovan, the head coach for the Chicago Bulls. You know, just the little things he talked about, if you listen very closely, the first couple of questions wasn't even about, like, Vucevic or it wasn't about DeRozan a ball. It was about Derrick Jones Jr. And you're like, well, why does that matter? He noticed that the energy level was not there for the Bulls early in that game against the Pistons. Yeah, I mean, so he says, I'm going to pull Derrick Jones Jr. out and I'm going to put in Io, a rookie who played 27 minutes, one rebound, one block. He had 10 points. Derrick Jones Jr. is in there for 13 minutes. And you mentioned Jones played well in the third quarter, but he just noticed just like the little things, right? Because our energy isn't good enough. We're going to put a rookie in there that is a high motor guy. You're going to take Derrick Jones Jr. out. I mean, it just little things like that, right? He could have just been like, you know what? Derrick Jones doesn't have it, but that's okay. We got Ball. We got DeRozan. We got Levine. You know, they'll, they'll carry the load. And he's like, no, I'm going to call a timeout. This is unacceptable. Is an opportunity for you to get rebounds and do little things, and you didn't do it. So here comes Io, and he want to play him for like 12 to 15 minutes straight and then see what happens. I mean, it's little things like that. You know, you, I heard him use the term course correct. Like, that's a, a new thing in the league. I've heard this in college and pro basketball now, the term course correct. He's like, yeah, we're just going to change things now. That way it sends a message not just to Derek Dune. Again, I don't think there was any shot at DJ. But he noticed some things that needed to be corrected. He brought a rookie in, and it really carried the momentum for the Bulls the entire game. So just, it's the little things. To me, I'm looking at this whole team in a big picture, right? It's more than just how many points did DeRozan score? Did he have any, you know, last-second jumpers, game winners? It's more than Lonzo Ball, more so than Vucevic's rebounds. It's the whole team. Because as you well know, if you've ever seen a championship team, whether it's the Bulls or anyone else, it's more than just the stars. Yes, you need star power. But you need others to be able to step up as well. Like DeMar DeRozan, his thoughts as Sam Smith asks a question after the Bulls beat the Pistons. Well, what is this uh, this kind of game where you you know you guys started slow, didn't have things going, and then we're able to have that kind of a margin pulling away, especially, you know, sort of a team-oriented game like that, Zach, not scoring a lot, you know, still with that margin. Um, yeah, second half, we came out and played how we should have started the game. You know, we came out... Um, slow um let them kind of jump on us you know i think we was more ourself um team wise on both ends um second half um but you know that was a, tonight was a game where we got to realize we got to you know kind of come out set the tone um jump ball now that this game's passed looking ahead you've got you know eastern team and a western team both toward the top is is this get a t- is this far enough into the season where you can start measuring yourself against these teams? Um, yeah. I mean, you to be the best in this league, you got to compete against the best. You know, tomorrow's going to be uh, one of those um, fun games. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure they're going to come in here for some type of revenge, especially having you know Kyrie back, beat them twice. You know, it's it's going to be a challenge. One of those games you you look forward to. Um, we start there, then we worry about the next opponent after that. The Under the Hood Basketball Podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Use the promo code WMVP, 
And boy, you talk about parlays and special deals they have on DraftKings. I've used it for several years, and they are a proud sponsor of this fiasco called the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. Check it out. Use the promo code WMVP. And I tell you what, whether it's the Dr. King games with the NBA that's coming up, college basketball, yes, yes, kids, you can bet on the college basketball games during the regular season. There's been some really, really good games in the month of January for sure. Or if it's the NFL playoffs, whatever you like, check it out, DraftKings.com or download the DraftKings app. And don't forget to use the promo code WMVP. So you're listening to this podcast, and I appreciate you listening to the show. Tell people that Jonathan Talks Basketball right here on Spotify and the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get this podcast. But I also listen to basketball podcasts myself because I'm a fan of hoops, right? That's why you're listening. You want to hear about the Bulls? You want to hear about the NBA? That, that's what I'm here for, right? Well, I also listen to NBA podcasts as well. I, by the way, for those listening for the first time, I host shows on NBA radio on Sirius XM. Sirius XM has its own NBA channel. From time to time, I'm on there hosting shows with former executives and former players. So I always have fun with this, right? That's why I want to do this podcast and talk to you about the Bulls. But I listen to the real ones. Raja Bell, if you're an NBA, if you're a hoop head, you know Raja Bell, right? Former Utah Jazz, played in the league for a while. And he has a podcast with Logan Murdoch, and it's called The Real Ones. It's from The Ringer. It's their NBA show. And I could not wait, finally, for them to talk about the Chicago Bulls, right? I talk about them all the time. You talk about the Bulls in the NBA all the time, just like I do. But it's good to hear Raja Bell and Logan Give some thoughts about the Chicago Bulls. And are the Bulls amongst the best? And will it last a long time throughout the regular season? It's time to give the Bulls their flowers. You also want to talk about Chicago Bulls? Yes, man. Are you going to put some respect? Everybody listen to this. Listen, he's looking at me dead in the face right now. He's yeah. looking at me dead in the face. We're going to put some respect on the Bulls' name. Okay. We're going to put right. some respect. All right. Those- they're 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 a problem. My only concern with them is that they're playing really well too early. Mm, I see. That's a great point. I had another point to that, but I want to get on this point of them being good too early because we forget about the the uh, the fact that how much energy it takes, especially when you're a new good team, right? Like I'm not tripping on the Phoenix Suns or the Warriors going out and like winning really good games because they. They have enough veterans on the team where they can pace themselves. You know, there's going to be a lull, but they'll come back. Now, when you're a new team together and you have, have, have I know there are a lot of veterans on the team, but when you're a new team in your first year together, you want to show everybody how good you are. So that's a lot of energy being spent, right? You know, especially and so, but you you think that that is why is that your concern? Well, my, my concern is just you know again you you, you have to sustain it. Um, every team has ups and downs in the season, right? Even the great ones, they fall into these little lulls of, of the season. Um, and you just don't want that lull to hit you at the wrong time. And I don't think they're the type of team, like Brooklyn has this greater margin for error when Kyrie is involved. You know, when you bring Clay back to Golden State, as you introduce more stars, you have a greater margin for error. So if you hit a lull and you're not playing at peak performance, somebody can have this, you know, offensive output of a night that just overcomes all of that and 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 as great as chicago is and i've said i think they're a big three is is 
is really, really good, but I don't think they have the same margin for error. So I need them playing their best basketball going into the playoffs. If they were doing that, I would tell you that they could beat anybody in the Eastern Conference if they were playing their uh, best basketball. Best I'm basketball. A, I don't know, Rob. Rob. No, I know, and that's I'm fair. I'm borrow a quote from the OGs. Go ahead. You might, you, you out your rabbit-ass mind if you think they're going to go up and beat uh, Milwaukee. Why? I don't believe – I don't – my thing is this, and I know – I got love for Chicago. I got all that love for. I, I also, you'll you'll notice like your, your stands. Uh, the Raja, the Raja, uh, the Raja Navy is out here in full force. It was hitting me in my mentions. When are you gonna talk about the Chicago Bulls? When are you gonna? When are they gonna get? When are you gonna put some respect on the Chicago Bulls name? I, I got a lot of respect and love for the Chicago Bulls as a staff, record label, the motherfucking crew. Okay. Yep. What I don't, and this is what we talked about pre-pod, uh, Ra, which is. I don't. I think that they're a really good team. My thing is, I don't know if their ceiling is that high when you talk about the and, and talk about being in the upper echelon in the Eastern Conference. When you talk about a Brooklyn, when you talk about a Milwaukee, when you like, I think they're in that second tier below. Is that? I, I, am I wrong on that? Um, I. You think that they could? You could make, rob? No, you could make a case that they are, and the case would be, you know. Um, they haven't proven to you yet over the course of a season or with playoff wins that they're capable of doing it. And I and I couldn't really argue that. Like last year, Brooklyn and Milwaukee did enough to make you feel like Milwaukee, uh, Chicago. Chicago is but you got wait you got you got to look at it though. You got to watch them play. They're, now they're, the star power is definitely in their favor. And if I'm being a, if I'm keeping it a buck. I, I defer to star power a lot. Like I would tell yeah. you in a seven game series, I'm going with the team that has the most stars. So I would tend to agree with you that they would lose to one of those teams in, in a seven game series. I'm just saying they could, and I wouldn't like that could be a more of a series than you think it would be. Like if you weren't on your A game, they'll fuck around and beat you. Like if you're Milwaukee or, or Brooklyn, do you think like, like if they, if their ceiling maybe is like 2011 Mavs, right? Where, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that, uh, the Dirk in a second, but I, I was thinking about the 20, 2011 maps where they're a team that's really good, but they just caught a lot of breaks to get to the finals. You know what I mean? Like where they, where they just had a magical run. They got it on at the right time and things like that. Do you think, do you think that is their ceiling when you say that they can be, because we're talking about a seven game series, right? Yeah. Um, I would say right now, that I would take Brooklyn or Milwaukee. If you made me pick, I would take them over Chicago. Mm-hmm. I will just say again, and this isn't necessarily answering your question, but I would say it again. If either one of those two teams came in on some bullshit or, or had sustained some injury or, or, or less than themselves for one reason or another coming into that series, Chicago can beat them. So that's from the Real Ones podcast with Raja Bell and Logan Murdoch. It's from The Ringer. You can check out their podcast wherever you download your podcast. It's a podcast I listen to because I love basketball conversation. Speaking of more basketball conversation, we're getting ready for the Bulls and the Nets. We've seen them play several times, and the Bulls have really been sharp against the Nets. So I reached out to one of my friends earlier today, Michael Grady. Michael Grady works for the Yes Network and is part of the broadcast team for the Nets. And I want to get his thoughts about the Bulls and the Nets, especially from the Nets standpoint. Kyrie Irving will be playing at the United Center. And so 
is this a situation where the Nets, if Kyrie plays more on the road, that eventually he'll play road and home? Will he be able to do both because of the of COVID-19, especially in New York? Uh, he can't play home games because he's not vaccinated. And the question is, like, the more basketball Kyrie plays, does this mean that Kyrie will eventually find a way to get him back himself back on the court at Barclays? home and road so we'll talk about that also we'll talk about um, the state of the nets right now and you know grady is from indianapolis and so he was the indiana pacers uh, not only doing a talk show in indianapolis uh, at 1070 the fan but also he uh, was the public address announcer for the pacers for a long time as well so i'm gonna ask him about that i'm gonna ask him thoughts about the bulls and more so here's my conversation earlier with michael grady from the yes network right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. My God, Michael Grady from the Yes Network uh, joins us here as we get ready for Bulls and Nets. Mike, as always, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Oh, anytime, anytime, my man. You know that. Uh, tell me, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. Um, one of the things I think is, is, is fascinating, the rare 9 p.m. start central time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was um, wow. I was uh, thinking about that too. So I guess the national TV schedule, you know, they really wanted this game, so they had a they they, they liked the earlier game. And I'm spacing off the top of my head what's the earlier national TV game, but it's kind of a rare that a, a Central Time Zone game or a Eastern Time, you know, Eastern uh, a game involved an Eastern Conference uh, team or East Time Zone team would tip off at. At ten o'clock. So yeah. so yeah, no, that's uh, that's wild. And it's it is interesting. Well, you know, you now you've covered Dur- uh, Kevin Durant for a while. So what would you say, like Dur- after covering Durant for so long, is he as good possibly as maybe a Rick Smiths or Steve Stepanovich? Uh, I mean, how, how good? <laughs> how, how good is Durant? I mean, look, you were in Indiana for a long time, and I know the comparisons yeah. are tough. But I mean, this Durant though, he's got to be at least up there with the Duncan Dutchman, right? Uh, <laughs> he's up there with um, the greats to to ever do it, and um, you know my time in in Indy, growing up watching Reggie Miller and his greatness and the things that he would do, and um, his audacity to believe that he can go into the garden and and shut uh, that entire crowd up, um, and then you know after those Reggie Miller years and and in the time that I started working with the Pacers and seeing the uh you know a little bit of Danny Granger for those who remember that name oh, yeah. the start of the Paul George years there and the runs that they were able to have battling against uh the Miami Heat and their big 3 uh you know Paul was a Paul was a special you know special player right um and the one thing that you see with some of the small market teams is again I use the word audacity you have to have the audacity to believe that you can go toe-to-toe with anybody. You're in a small market. Your owner's not spending as much. And there just has to be this belief that you can go toe-to-toe with the best. Even if you, even if you're, you're, the talent on your roster is not close to the talent on the roster of another team, there just has to be this belief that you can go toe-to-toe and can come out on top. And you can have all the talent in the world, but if the mental part isn't there, you're going to be second place, third place, fourth place. Mm-hmm. It's just what it is. My time around Kevin, um, I've really seen and got an education on, on, on the mental part and the 
talent that he does not take for granted because of the hours that he puts in the gym, working on every single shot imaginable. And his bag is, is, is vast. And there is nothing that you can do to Kevin Durant on the court to make him uncomfortable. There isn't a spot on the court that is not his sweet spot. There are guys who, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie used to be, you know, in, in Brooklyn and, and Dinwiddie's got a step back from, uh, from one of the wings. That's, that's a part of his, his repertoire. He's a solid driver, finisher at the rim, all those type of things. Um, but there are things that you can do with all due respect because he's still my guy, Dinwiddie, that can make him uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Kevin is a, a generational talent and there's, there's very little that you can do to make him uncomfortable. I think Bulls fans are seeing that to a certain extent with what DeMar DeRozan has been able to do this season, um, where he just seems unaffected by the opposition. And he's in somewhat of a, a lot of people have used the word renaissance right now when it comes to DeRozan. Well, Durant's been doing this his entire career and it's been real, it's been, it's been dope to watch. Yeah, I, I think, Michael, you are covering one of one when you cover Durant. I, it, it's because if no one can come up with a comp for a, an athlete, doesn't matter if it's basketball, whatever sport, if it's like, but I've never seen anything like this before. Well, that's probably because that athlete is unique. And that's not just from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint as well, as you've as you talked about here, as you've documented. So mm-hmm. I think you're covering something, someone that is that is very foreign to this league yeah yeah he's a freak i mean he's he's a he's a seven footer with incredible handles um has you know can can shoot with the best who have ever played this game his mid-range game is superb he can finish at the rim his three-point shooting ability he's been a 50 40 90 guy in this league he's just an unflappable talent and um the the peak on his uh, uh, jump shot makes it very difficult to disrupt what he's trying to do. I think he still tops in the league um, in terms of finishing shots where there is a defender within two feet of him. He's just unaffected. So he's, he's one of the best to ever do it. It's special to watch. You know, unfortunately, the Nets have had to deal with a lot of things, guys that have a lineup, the Kyrie situation. James Harden um, starting the season not in the best shape given the injury that he had and had to recover from in the offseason. So Kevin has had to carry a major load this season, and he hasn't complained once, and I give him a lot of credit for that. Michael, how would you look at the net sustainability? I mean, everyone looks at the top of the East and says Chicago's there right now. Of course, even before we knew how good the Bulls would be, there's always the Nets and there was always the Bucks. So how sustainable, once this team is together, for them to be able to win the East? Uh, you know, if, if they get everybody back together, and this also includes some sort of resolution to the Kyrie Irving situation. Um, the the plain only road games is helping the situation right now because of the load that James Harden and Kevin Durant have had to carry. But when we're talking about an intense playoff series and Kyrie potentially only being able to play on the road, I mean, there's understandable skepticism that this will be able to, to work out and lead to this team winning the championship. So... If something has worked out from that standpoint, whether Kyrie Kyrie gets vaccinated or they work or or, or there is a change to the vaccine mandate, um, uh, which would allow Kyrie Irving to play in uh, in New York, if that happens and they have time to rebuild that chemistry and get everybody on the same page again, this is the next team that's going to be a problem. Um, 
It didn't seem like it would be the case, but when they don't have all their parts whole, having two superstars isn't enough to get it done in a night in and night out basis because of the pieces around those superstars. A season ago, the Nets had multiple shooters on the roster. Right now, they have a lot of slashers, and their shooters are not consistently in the lineup. Joe Harris is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He hasn't played all season. Kyrie Irving is a solid three-point shooter, also helps with spacing. So you're replacing those guys with with players like DeAndre Bembry, who's not a long-distance threat, with Bruce Brown, who's not a long-distance threat, and the paint is getting clogged. And there's there there are guys that you have no problem cheating off of to throw a double or triple team out of James Harden or Kevin Durant. So it's made things offensively look very difficult for the Nets at times. And they've had to win a lot of games this season with their defense. Well, Joe Harris will recover from his ankle surgery very soon. We'll see what happens as far as the Kyrie Irving situation. He had two shooters into the lineup. You can bring Patty Mills off the bench instead of utilizing him in the, in the starting lineup. And Patty Mills has been tremendous from three-point range, but he's one of the only guys on the roster that's played every game this season. And now he's in somewhat of a shooting slump. And I I believe it's because of the heavy load that's been placed on him so far this season. So this is a Nets team that seems like they're wearing down, and the timing could not be worse, uh, Jay, because they are in the midst of a stretch of four games in five days. Mm -hmm five games in seven days, and six games in nine days. They're in the middle of a brutal stretch and just had a back-to-back, the likes that we haven't seen since, I want to say somewhere in the mid-70s, where a team played one game one night in the, in a, in the East time zone, and then the very next night played uh, a game in the Pacific time, Pacific time yeah, zone. Crazy. That's what they just did, playing the other night a home game. Uh, and then, um, and then against San Antonio, and then traveling west to play Portland the very next night. So it's uh, it's uh, once they get everybody on the same page, I firmly believe that they can win the East if they get a resolution to the Kyrie situation. But as it stands right now, no, I, I would I would give these other you know Chicago for sure, Miami if they can get fully healthy again could absolutely be a problem. Uh, and then of course, given the defending champions, they're they're due. Sam Mitchell, our a colleague on NBA radio, gave this hypothesis. He said he believes that the more Kyrie plays, the more he's want to he's gonna want to get vaccinated and play home games. Do you think that's the case? Like Kyrie will love the loves the game so much that you know the road won't be enough for him. At, at some point he'll find a way to be on the team full time, like uh, in, in in the near future, maybe before the All Star break. Is that possible? Yeah. You know, Sam is one of my Sam is one of my favorite guys to talk hoops with. He's mm-hmm. one of my favorite guys. I love Coach. He's the best. I love doing shows with him on NBA radio. Um, and uh, his theory, I feel, would apply to ninety nine percent of most guys. I believe ninety nine percent makes a whole lot of sense. You get teased with something that you've been missing on, and then you want to expand on it. You want to be there full-time, and so you make a decision so that you can rejoin the team on a full-time basis. That would make sense for a lot of people. He's been gone. He missed the first 35 or so games of the season. Then he gets to play in Indiana. Then he played the most recent game against Portland. Uh, um, he'll, he'll play tonight in Chicago. Then he'll miss you know, the game the next night against Oklahoma City, an opportunity to play in front of your home fans, and that's been really been struggling at home lately. 
They recently had a five-game losing streak at home. They barely snapped that with an overtime win over San Antonio. They could certainly use Kyrie Irving at home. It would help with continuity, all those things. And he loves playing the game. He's one of the masters of this game. Chauncey Billups said he's probably the most skilled to ever play his position. And you would think that that would be enough to make him reconsider his stance on the vaccine. But Kyrie's a unique personality that's that um, when you feel like you have him figured out, and I, I I don't make that effort, but when you feel like you have him figured out and you think that he's going left, he's going to go right. Yes. So um, so I, I so while again I feel like that theory would apply to ninety nine percent of guys in the league, I reach that one percent, and so I've basically buckled up and just saying, hey, I'm I'm, I'm just along for the ride. If he if he gets vaccinated, fantastic. If he doesn't get vaccinated, that just it is what it is. Kevin Durant said he's not going to push him on it. James made it seem like he would push him and, and, and try to try to talk to him about it. Um, but we just we just don't know. We just don't know. I know how I I, I, I have a feeling that you would would it would be the pressure would be enough for you to yes. uh, go through if you were in the same position. It would be for me. Um, but but Kyrie, even though it has not been abundantly clear why he's made the decision, he feels very solid in his own heart and in his own mind as to why he's doing what he's doing. And I don't know that there's going to be a, a circumstance that's going to arise that would make him make him change his mind. I think we both grew up with someone like Kyrie, uh, the the, mm-hmm. the the a person that's going to say, "No, man, I heard about this. No, 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 I can't do that." And just like, and you just want to sit down with them. It's like, man, take off the hat. And let's sit there and just have this conversation, man. It's just, yeah. it's just it, we, we all know someone like Kyrie. This is, you know, vaccine yeah. aside, it's just someone that has his own opinion. Strong thoughts now. Now, you don't know where they came from, but but you know that there's strong thoughts. And you're just looking in there in be- bewilderment, Mike. And you're just like, man, where are you getting this from, man? Why don't you just join us? You know, all this. Yeah. Cut, cut, cut the BS. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, it, and it's almost like when I hear people say this is what I think will happen or this is what he'll do. I almost want to shush these people because for some people, when they hear, like, let's say Kyrie, for example, he's hearing people say, Mm -hmm. oh man, when he plays these road games, he's going to want to play home games too. So he may get vaccinated. And if Kyrie hears these things, I almost feel like it would be, oh, well, I'm definitely not going to get it now. So I'm cool. You know what I mean? So it's almost yeah. like when people say, oh, ah, I, I think I know what's going to happen now. I think I figured this out. This is what's going to happen with Kyrie. He's going to miss it so much that he's going to get. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's just let this thing play out because I think he uh, digs a little bit deeper when people feel like they um, haven't figured out what he's going to do. What are what's the theme of the Bulls versus Nets? The matchups that you've seen this year, what stood what stood out the most? I I, I think um, I, I think one thing that I've noticed and that I've been thoroughly enjoyed this season in general is watching these hungry teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, last night, um, John Moran and the Grizzlies—they are a hungry hungry team yes they are um the golden state warriors have a, have accomplished a lot you know with the championships and and they're a hungry team too um they want to get back to their past glory um but that's a a, a, a team that's led by you know veterans and it's a 
war of attrition. They know it's a long season, that whole thing. And then there's a team like Memphis, and they're just right now hungry, all out on the court. It looked like a playoff game with the intensity that they were playing with last night. And um, there's a joy in playing. There's a joy in competing and battling and being combative out there on the basketball court. And that's what I've seen with Chicago this season. Um, They are a hungry basketball team that's playing. um, We use the chip on the shoulder so often, so I won't even say that. I just think that it's kind of in their DNA with the way that they're competing and the way that they're battling. Mm -hmm. They don't look lazy out there. They they look like they're doing everything with a purpose. Um, They look united out there in terms of this is the game plan, this is our approach, this is what we're doing. And then most importantly, no matter how you're playing for the first three quarters, to have a couple of guys on the roster that you have the utmost faith in that will come up big in big-time moments is really what has put them in position to be the top seed in the Eastern Conference right now. The Nets have guys who, in the clutch, in those big moments, you feel comfortable with the ball in their hands, specifically Kevin Durant, obviously. But over the course of the season, there's been stretches of play where they they didn't look connected. There have been stretches of play where it looked like the hustle wasn't there, the compete level wasn't there, that sense of urgency wasn't there. And they're a largely veteran group. And some of the times where they've been knocked off and beaten, especially lately, the other team was playing with more tenacity. They lost a home game to the Clippers recently. Mm-hmm. We know how shorthanded the Clippers are. The Clippers were hungrier in the matters in the moments where it mattered most. And so that's where I feel like the Nets have slipped up on. Yeah, we can say, I think, it, if I'm not mistaken, in both games, the Nets are playing the second half of a back-to-back, um, which, which, uh, which, which sucks from their standpoint. But we're not, you know, we won't use that as an excuse. But the, the Bulls have had noticeably more energy and more sustained energy in the first two games um, uh, that we've seen these two teams play. Lastly, Mike, and I appreciate your time. I know you still have your ear to the ground in Indianapolis with the Pacers. I'm confused about what they what they are and what they want to be. What, what are you hearing about Indiana? Are, is this going to be a rebuild, or do you build on top of what Sabonis has already brought to the team? Because I'm hearing different reports. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough. And, and the reason that there's conflicting reports is because if the Pacers were to rebuild, they would be doing something that we haven't seen in in, 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 hist- in our history. And in, in the times, in the years that we've been watching Pacers basketball, we have not seen them go through a complete rebuild. Mm-hmm. And so if we're talking, I mean, there were times where they were garbage. Um, but once Reggie Miller came into the mix... You know, the Reggie Miller era, as it was coming to a close, was bridged by a new era led by Jermaine O'Neal. And that Jermaine O'Neal era, as it came to a close, then Danny Granger came into the mix. Those patient teams weren't that great, but as the Danny Granger era came to a close, that's when Paul George came into the mix. When the Paul George era was coming to a close, then it was Sabonis and Victor Oladipo mm-hmm. who came into the mix. And now we're seeing their most recent predicament where they have talent. They've had guys in and out of the lineup, but they just don't have, seem to have a clear purpose and uh, or direction right now. They have talent. They just haven't been able to put it all together. And, of course, with this being a small market team, they're not going to spend a ton of money. Um, but if I tell you there's a roster that's got, you know, Malcolm Brogdon at the one, um, Karis LeVert 
at the two. Uh, TJ Warren hasn't played in a couple of seasons due to foot trouble, but he would be there in the mix. Then you have Miles Turner, uh, and then Sabonis in the middle. You think, okay, well, this is, you know, you get the bench figured out. That's not a bad roster, but they just look discombobulated out there on the court. And we've been talking for a long time as to whether or not Miles Turner and Sabonis can play together. You know, is, is Levert a good fit there? What do you do with Malcolm Brogdon? We know that he's a solid, you know, point guard, but how are these pieces working together? And they're just not. And so, again, as I mentioned, they've never gone through a complete rebuild. They've had a talented player, and then they've tried to restock around that particular guy, which is something that I'm sure they would consider this go-around. But I think a lot of fans are so disinterested that they're just saying blow it up. If they blew the whole thing up and they just had Lance Stevenson to cheer for on the court, I think Pacer fans would be fine. Yeah. Blow this whole thing up, get some, get some high draft picks, um, because that's the only way that you're going to get a superstar to Indiana. You're not going to land one in free agency. You're not going to land one through a, a trade. You have to do it through the uh, NBA draft. And so, um, and so the, and the only way to get one through the NBA draft is to blow things up. Being a mediocre team and getting a, a draft pick in the teams is just going to screw you in the long run um, for an ownership group that doesn't want to spend a lot of money. So, yeah, it's it's been a um, a very uh, frustrating situation for the fan base, for sure. Um, I'm removed enough from it that I don't have any emotion tied to it. I'm, I'm Brooklyn, um, sure. uh, Brooklyn through and through, but obviously you want to see them uh you, you want to see them do well i still have a lot of friends within the um organization and i'm very curious jay to see what they uh see what they do in the not too distant future yes and i just want everyone to make sure they go to your social media michael grady because we all want to live that gritty life all of us um <laughs> the lovely bride working in new york now i mean just 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 check it out everybody if you just just want to sit back put your feet on the ottoman and just flip through grady's instagram and, and, and you'll say man What's gone wrong in my life when you see oh, what's, oh, what's no. right in Grady's life on Instagram and Twitter? It's it's, it's amazing. It just it's, it it makes your blood pressure go one twenty to eighty. I swear to you, it just, oh, it's just, <laughs> just it's, we all my want the Grady life. Oh, my, my ten year challenge has been okay, man. I, 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 I've been embracing it, my man. I've been embracing it, man. Blessed for sure. Just, just remember that, everybody. Well, Mike, I'm, I'm glad you spent some time, man. I'm looking forward to this game tonight and continue success. Let's talk again in the second half of the season, hopefully. Anytime, my brother. Thanks so much. I appreciate you, brother. Ah, great to hear from Michael Grady. Covers the Brooklyn Nets for the Yes Network, one of their broadcasters. Really, really cool. Don't forget to tell people that Jonathan Hood talks wrestling on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Make sure you let people know that that podcast is available on the ESPN Chicago app. And of course, the Underhood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings. All right, our next podcast will be Friday as we get ready to preview the Bulls, and the Warriors. We'll talk to Nick Friedel, who covers the NBA for ESPN.com on that podcast on Friday. So I hope that you've enjoyed this show. Don't forget to check in with us on Friday. We drop that podcast for you on Friday morning, getting you ready for the Bulls and the Warriors. It's real interesting what's happening with this Bulls schedule, taking on a good Nets team and now a good Warriors team. I'm Jay Hood. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.
take that.